Files, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. Hey, Maddie, what's up? Um, I just, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, um, I'm just, today we're going to be talking about, <laughs> I don't know, Twilight. I, so we're not going to be talking about the franchise. If you want that back up. Calm down. Maybe it's going to happen eventually, but like, hold your horses. If you want us to do it, just tell us and we will do anything that'll get us more attention. Yeah. It's going to be the first movie and book. First movie and book. Film and book. The first, yeah, I'm sorry, Rebecca. The first piece of art, a tour piece of cinema, Twilight, Mm. is the discussion for... This podcast, um, and the, I would say just the, like, sort of what the first film did to us, culturally, mm-hmm. um, spiritually, mm-hmm. anthropologically. I think we're going to be talking about not just the lonely girls in the world of Twilight, but then also the, why... Do lonely girls connect with Twilight? Yes. I think, little hint, I think it might relate to a little princess syndrome a little bit. Oh, yeah. But we're going to get to that soon. So we're going to be, I think we're going to be talking more about the movie for when we just finished it. As of like maybe 30 minutes ago, we finished the film. And I liked it so much. No spoilers, y'all, but... Rebecca said she had seen this movie before. I had not. This is the first time Rebecca watched the film Twilight. Yeah. I don't know why I avoided it because it was meant to be... I read the books, huge fan of the books, and then by the time the movie started coming out, this happened to me with like Harry Potter. It happened to me with Hunger Games and Divergent. I enjoyed the books. By the time the movie was over, I didn't feel the mania. Also, I was a little embarrassed being a little hipster baby. I was a little embarrassed of what Twilight did to me, Mm. like emotionally and spiritually. And like, it was like my sexual stirrings and I wasn't Mm. okay with it. And Maddie just watched me lose my shit about it. And um, it really, really got me. I think it's a more compelling watch now than it was when it first came out. And we're going to get into that, but we should first discuss as all always um our loneliest moments of the week so Rebecca Mm. do you want to kick it off or should I kick it off I think I'm gonna like start it okay because I think like mine is gonna be more like (laughs) and um we've already kind of gotten heavy so so y'all I'm here she's in California not only that she's here on the week of my 28th birthday. Yes. She arrived on my 28th birthday. Yes. The best birthday present I could have ever asked for. I, yeah. In, in sort of, I would say, uh, mm. a state of, of, of chaos and, um, delight. Charm. And, and charm. And, uh, it was very charming how I showed up. <laughs> it was very charming. Thank you. So, uh, so little, little mouse, mouse, little lonely mouse in the big city. Yeah. Um, even though I did live in London. You lived in London, Rebecca? I did. I do get really, really anxious around traveling. I've traveled quite a bit, but my family knows I honestly need like a tranquilizer before I go on a trip. Um, Maddie caught me very anxious the day before. Just I was like doubting all of my relationships, all of my friendships, Mm. and I realized I didn't have luggage. I own luggage. I couldn't find my luggage. And traveling... I'm a very self-sufficient person, which I resent, but I had, no one was going to drive me to the airport. This is serious. No one was going to drive me to the airport. No one is, I have friends, but I don't have a drive you to the airport friend, very Harry Met Sally. Yes. And it doesn't mean I don't have good relationships. I just am not entitled in any of those relationships to, to just to, or just expect. Yes. Just yes. expect. It yes. has to be offered. I can do it. It makes me really sad, but also I find it like very glamorous like I'm just alone in the world. Mm. And but I feel very like shy traveling. I find myself like whispering kind of in a very honestly a very Bella Swan way. 
I just, uh, here's my and then I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I just think I look so mysterious. But anyways, traveling alone, it feels really lonely. And I was packing alone. I didn't have luggage. And I asked on Instagram if someone could lend me luggage. And I really think if Hannah hadn't DM'd me being like, hey, please come and pick it up. I would have like cried. Yeah. It really meant a lot to me. And I told her that. Um, so anyways, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. Um, so, so you're saying your loneliest moment of this week was prepping to travel. Prepping to travel. Was the travel lonely or were you sort of in the, I'm fine. Once I get to the airport, like the, in the Uber to the airport, I felt lonely in a good way, like in a glamorous, in a very glamorous way, but it's, it's the like 36 hours before on the trip. I realize I've got to figure this out on my own. If I don't figure this out, I can't get there. So, you, go. My loneliest moment? Mm. <laughs> like most moments that um, I have, it, it really can't be condensed to one specific moment. Um, it's more, uh, birthdays are rough. But you said this was an uncharacteristically good birthday yeah that made me really happy this is I an, was worried this is an un what day are we on 420 Ooh, two days ago was my birthday so it's mm-hmm. been a full 48 hours and I will say that birthday was as far as birthday goes birthdays go a pretty good one mm-hmm. that was not a lonely day That's for awesome. me I'm so glad. I'm so glad too. I and I'm glad that I was the reward for getting through. Okay, <laughs> are, are we are we gonna? And that's all she wrote. And that's all she wrote. And that's all Stephanie Meyer wrote. Okay, so what was your intro? Now we're gonna. This is a transition. This is a transition. So what was your intro to Twilight? My intro to Twilight, like every other middle schooler in. The, the year of our Lord and Savior, 2006, <laughs> was, I would say, just sort of like bombarded by everyone my age carrying around this large black book. Tome. A tome. A tome, mm. if there ever was one, with the hands and the apple on the cover and being like, what in God's name is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. I do remember the back of the book not being a description of the book, but just a paragraph from the book. Mm. Where it's it's the line where she says there were three things that I knew about Edward Cullen. One, he was a vampire. Something, something, something. Two, he thirsted for my blood. Da 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 da. Three, I was unconditionally something, something, and irrevocably, irrevocably yes. in love with him. I literally just her saying that is sending Uh, shivers down my spine and I am not being here's the thing y'all we're not gonna be ironically gushing this is I would say this is less of a social critique and Mm. more of um an artistic retrospective Mm. on a piece of work that was quite possibly the most influential culturally significant piece of media in our young lives. It was... This is our Star Wars. And there's, like, something about Harry Potter that, like, stayed with our generation, but Twilight was our sexual awakening. And also felt so specific to the feminine experience. Yes. Not that you had to, you know, define yourself as a female in order to enjoy it. But it's very feminine. It is such a... And it was... I think Harry Potter has always been considered a you know, a critically accepted work. Mm -hmm. The films were always critically accepted. Where when Twilight first came out, it was uh, maligned. People openly mocked it. Adults tried to shame girls for loving it. And we really stood our ground. We persevered. You actually took me back. I have a really important Twilight memory. Can I I share this? I want you to. Ah, This is so embarrassing, y'all. I want it. Guess what it has to do with? Please tell me. London. <laughs> Get out. I know. Get out of my house. So Get out of my loft. My mom was pregnant when my dad had a... Okay. My mom was pregnant with my sister, Bibby, when my dad was supposed to go on a trip to London. 
And my name is Rebecca. My mom's name is Rebecca. So dad was like, I'm bringing Rebecca. I had just discovered Twilight. I did not want to explore the sites. I did not want to go to museums. I wanted to stay in our hotel mm-hmm. and I wanted to read Twilight. And my dad, David, I actually like, this is really, really sweet. I wanted New Moon. I had a thirst for New Moon. And dad and I like, he was like, okay, it, I, Waterstones. That's like kind Water, of the book familiar. Waterstones. Waterstones. So we... <laughs> We went in, and I remember in the UK, it's more expensive. Just everything is more expensive on the back. I remember it being like maybe like, like, oh, like here it's like over 20 pounds and the thing. And I just remember being like, oh no, like this is really expensive. Yeah. And I was about to start ninth grade, and um, dad was like, darling, I got, I got this. And it was such an act of love because oh. for me, it was like 30 dollars and my dad just supported his little thirsty teen it was like it's really sweet actually that's a really really lovely twilight memory i actually have i kid you i kid you not i haven't thought about that in 10 years until you started talking about the book and i could all of a sudden feel the pages like i just remember it being like really plasticky yeah and the cover like bendy and the pages were yellowed in a certain way and they were almost like thinner mm. and the I feel like you didn't buy your first copy of Twilight it was given to you or like lent by a friend exactly. you were like oh you've like, got to read this I don't know anyone who actually bought I think I did there okay well, I had no friends I then immediately got back from London and um I started at a new school Oh, right. And it was, it was seeing everybody's backpack had a copy of Twilight in it and actually like being really shy. I didn't know how to introduce myself, but it was so easy to say to people, Twilight and all the girls' eyes would light up. And it was actually, it was this great way to start talking to people. Yeah, The books for me were less important than the film. I loved the books, but I've always been... (laughs) you could say I've just always really loved cinema and I've always really loved an adaptation I find it to be a fun little a fun little um piece of uh, media exercise Twilight specifically it came out during winter break my freshman year Mm -hmm. and I remember I went to see it a bunch of times and it was never It was never on purpose. It was never like my choice to go see it. It was always a friend wanting to make out with their boyfriend and needing me to like tag along so the mom wouldn't catch them. It's really specific. They would pay for my ticket. Oh. Because I Um, grew up really poor. Famously. Famously. Famously grew up so poor. And so this was like... I remember this winter break specifically seeing Twilight like probably five or six times. So you were a paid companion. I was a paid companion and it would it wasn't always like a makeout situation, but I would say five out of six of those times were friends and their boyfriends and I was just sort of tagging along. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. One of our bonding factors is we both love the film Mamma Mia. Oh yeah. So this is the gauge and it's also like w- Mamma Mia is great because it's it's camp, it's all over the place oh, yeah. and also the camera angles don't make sense. They don't make any sense. And neither does Twilight. Neither does Twilight. I What I love about Twilight now and why I think it's a more enjoyable watch over 10 years later, almost Mm. 15 years later. That's so good. It's a more enjoyable watch almost 15 years later because every single thing you are watching, you realize was a choice. Uh, mm. Was a choice. And we're going to get into that, but I'm going to, being the scholar that you are, the Lonely Girl Lens, Mm. can you take us through what you think, why was it, the catnip for lonely girls why couldn't we stay away from it you know fan fiction has been around for years and years and years like shakespeare was writing fan fiction but the the sort of age of the internet was really coming into its own in a way where you all of a sudden had a really 
you as an individual could go onto the internet and find the most niche pocket of content that you wanted to find mm -hmm. anonymously. You did not have to uh, tell anyone in the world besides your friends online, your, your internet uh, uh, avatar, what you were interested in and what you wanted to see. And so the rise of fanfiction.net, mm -hmm. I would say, began in the, in the early 2000s and established this real, I would say, lust of um, indulgent fiction. Fiction that was not made to do anything but um, titillate. I think teenage lust. Teenage lust. And horny. And I think there were always like bodice rippers before mm. that. There were always sort of like slutty historical novels and that. But not for teens. But not for teenagers. And Stephanie Meyer, is she a good author? What does that even mean? Is, is her work profound? No. But I think there's something really special about um, her, her earnestness in writing exactly the story that she wanted to feel for herself. Mm -hmm. And so Twilight is uh, a vessel for someone who is lonely to feel important. I am gonna tie it in. I'm gonna pitch my little princess because I think lonely girls were reading about this special girl that even though she felt alone, everybody was obsessed with her. We could interchange, a, I think, a little princess. Less because she's so pretty and delightful and charming and sweet, Bella is none of those things. And still. And still, everybody is ob obsessed. obsessed with her. And I think, I think Stephanie Meyer did something really smart where she made it so it was a girl who had nothing to lose from her former life mm. thrown into a space where just being new and fun and exciting was enough for these relatively like small town isolated people. Mm -hmm. So Bella being this like girl from Arizona and being nice enough to look at, I guess, mm -hmm. even before the Collins enter the picture is enough for them to be excited about her. It could have been even if the Collins didn't come obviously you need them there yeah but it's still just exciting like because some books would have been like oh she's a misfit no one likes her oh but edward likes her there's no. actually a special i'm only processing it now there's actually a special layer that she was widely liked and admired immediately immediately by everyone and that is not a detail that needed to be in uh -uh. it it's not even like oh like why would edward like her instead it's like Oh man, of course Edward gets the prettiest, coolest girl Aww. in the whole wide world. And Aww. and that's what we all want. We want everybody to want us and the best guy. And we also wants us. Want, we also want to not want that. Like yeah. Bella, Bella goes in and she's like, "Oh, these weirdos are so annoying and they won't leave me alone." Mm. And I'm so pale and they won't stop talking, talking about, about how pale I am. All they want to do is invite me to go surfing with them. And it's like she's not good at anything. So it's almost like I can kind of be like, well, well, actually, like, I kind of think I have a lot to offer. So, like, I even have more than about Like, yeah. I, I definitely would be worth this. And, um, and I think... Especially, I mean, she has the, nothing going for her. She really doesn't. And the 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 idea of like a Mary Sue, a Hail Mary Sue. Do you mm. know what that is? Mm -mm. Oh, Ooh. oh, I'm about to educate. Okay, so within Good. within, I would say the 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 expansion of of fan fiction as like a medium. And now we've like gotten to the point where like films have been like adapted from works that were originally published on fan fiction that yeah. were originally like wow that's where we're at that is how significant 
um, fan fiction has become. But uh, a Mary Sue is a type of female character that is essentially an audience insert. That is exactly what we're talking about. Bella Swan is the, the original Mary Sue. And maybe she's even not the original Mary Sue. Like, you could make an argument that, like, Lizzie Bennet is the original Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. I think Jane Austen does a little bit more, like... Not not even the original, but like an earlier version of, of the Mary Sue. But it is a, a character that is essentially flawless, but because she lacks any depth of mm-hmm. personality, um, that is easy for you, the reader, to completely... Uh, insert yourself into yeah like an av- like an avatar yeah it is basically a girl girl yeah she and it's it, and it's like and I think that's one of the reasons oh the casting is what really gets me um which we'll get into yeah. but that's why I think also Kristen Stewart was a really great choice because she is kind of a character in mm. herself so there's actually obviously we can't divorce Kristen Stewart we can't see Bella anymore without Kristen Stewart but there was a world where both of us were had just a blank Bella in our head before we were aware of of anything so like it's easy to make fun of Kristen Stewart but just actually imagine a character that really was nothing and actually Kristen Stewart brought herself to the role. Yeah. It's like really in like Edward, it's a separate thing. All he is is just a, a, a vessel of wanting. Of hot, stony wanting. He wants her so much. And like that's kind of it. Yeah. And that's why the casting of these two people, I kid you not, is I think the most genius casting because unintentionally genius casting that anyone has ever done ever for for better or for worse Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson have the careers that they have right now because of Twilight oh hell yeah but I do think there is something really really captivating about watching two people have to do that and to <laughs> say those lines I uh, you admire them so much now because they had to do that. And it's like looking back at these amazing actors, act- actors proper actors. Yeah. It's, you can make fun of them. I don't care. Kristen Stewart, I think everyone's like, she doesn't move her face. And I'm like, guess what? Some human beings don't move their face. Also, I think that is an unfair critique because basically all she's doing is moving her face. Yeah. She's just shaking. She's blinking. She's, she's like, Having a nervous breakdown at <laughs> I, every moment. And I think that is a really interesting choice as an actor to make. I, I And I think both of them are fully themselves in this movie. And um, I famously, Robert Pattinson, in the past like few months, the GQ interviews are really important to me. Yeah. I went and saw the Batman. I've never, ever gone to see a superhero movie yeah. on my own. I did go with friends twice, but I would have gone alone. Yes. And um, it's just really important to me. Robert Pattinson's arc of characters is a continuation of what he begins in Twilight. Yep. And his commitment, yep. we famously, all we care about is commit. Yeah. Commit. And they are so committed there is no one in that film that is not committed trying i also which i i think that's what makes it that's what makes it fun to watch because you know no it it also is what makes it hilarious to watch in the remaining films Mm. not to spoil anything but they're done committing yeah and that's even more fun (laughs) yes it's they're so earnestly committing in this piece of artistry this film that will stand truly will stand the test of time absolutely and I definitely understand because yes in the final two movies I understand that they're done with it for for one their lives became insane that's hard but also yeah the the, it gets it gets more stupid as the series goes on but the first thing I think they like 
They were like, this is a love story. The story of Twilight and its appeal towards the lonely girl, mm. I would say is really interesting because I would never categorize Bella Swan as a lonely girl. Do we have a category yet? that she fits into. I wouldn't say she's a little princess. I feel like it's, there is something about her experience that is little princess. Yes. But maybe it's just Bella Swan. I really think she's a category unto herself. And it is sort of like, it's not Barbie, where like Barbie is Christ. But like- We'll get into that in a later episode. Yeah, so sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. It is this sort of, it's a vessel in a different way. Mm. It's an, earthly vessel it (laughs) what it is about Bella that we've been hinting at but it's right here is she's not a lonely girl because everyone is drawn to her and she doesn't care she has no desire to connect with anyone yeah and she a lonely girl she wants Edward which is understandable because people can just want that person yeah she like kind of likes that she's being accepted into the Collins, but she wouldn't care. It's she literally wouldn't care. She's even al- she's almost annoyed by how much they're they're, they're trying. Obs- they're obsessed with her. She's she really like, just, just wants to be alone with Edward. She wants to be alone with Edward, and that is just not lonely girl at no. all. The lonely girl is wants to be seen for as she she wants yeah. to be seen for who she is by everyone. Mm-hmm. And she, Bella is absolutely, I don't even think she really needs Edward to see her as she, she is. She just wants to be around him. She just, she She's just, just wants super it. Horny. <laughs> She's just horny. And also like, I like that she knows what she wants. Yeah. She's like, hey, turn me into a vampire. And he's like, <clears throat> no. isn't this enough? Just our life now, just our happiness now. And she's like, no. And, and he's like, we'll see. And she's like, okay, well, like, we're going to it's yeah. gonna happen this is gonna happen and she just she wants it she wants it and she knows what she wants the second that she finds out that it's an option mm. she's like turn me into a fucking vampire right now and she knows what she wants and also what i think is like obviously turning into a vampire is sex and i think yeah. one thing i do like about her is that she is so pro and she's immediately down yeah. and i think that is also the thing about the thing that we like about Edward is how he is farting. And also, I think it's very attractive that it is the boy he's who like is... so showing he's so having, much restraint. He's having to chain himself up. Yeah. And that though, is what is... Even though I, as like an adult, yeah. I look back on it and I go, oh, that's not a very healthy dynamic. I do think reading it as a young girl... Having someone be so unapologetically, like, lustful, Mm. if we are looking at turning into a vampire means, like, having sex. Vampire is sex. Yeah. Um, Having someone be, like, the main character be, like, turn me into sex now. I want sex. I want it. And it's, it's actually, like, yeah, that's something that I think girls especially because we we were raised really religious is and it was in sort of the I would say the meatiest part of uh, influence of purity culture P- huge purity culture yeah that's actually kind of amazing that you have in also with purity culture it's all up to the girls so the girls are supposed to be for one they're not supposed to be as horny as Edward yeah. but it's all about the girls making sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so actually, like, it's really hot yeah. to have the boy want you so bad. That wasn't a storyline. I really don't think that's ever been a storyline where the girl is saying, hey, let's go. Like, and sometimes... like, I want you so badly, but we can't. But we can't. In other stories, it's the girl and the boy yeah. holding themselves back. But it's actually... I think it was kind of a girl's avatar for us to kind of say... Yeah, actually, okay, like, like you're... Like, I really unapologetically want to want want this thing without the fear of someone taking advantage of that. Yeah. It's someone who is so, quote-unquote, honorable and mm. pure and has, like, my best intentions in at heart mm-hmm. that they will fight this thing that they want so, so badly. The, the fact it could kill them. Yeah. It's just, I think, like, I think we're getting, like, pretty... I think we've made our point. <laughs> I think we've made our point. Okay, yeah, so do we want to, like, kind of go into 
the so I think we've made the point of why the lonely girl loves Twilight. Yeah. Who are the loneliest characters? I think first and foremost, it's Charlie. I think Charlie is a very lonely girl. At reading, not reading, but watching the film back, I, I really resonate with Charlie in that he feels like someone who at this point has like kind of given up mm. on being able to connect. Like he, you know, he lost this woman, Renee. Mm. Uh, he can't connect with his daughter. He wants to really badly. And he's trying he's trying his best he really is and I think that's why this scene when Bella says what will hurt him the most is actually very it's almost like you don't really think she's been paying attention to him the entire movie but actually the what she says to him is so hurtful and it's actually it's kind of you're like oh weird Bella you actually have been you actually you you know your dad yeah because this is really mean and what is it that she says to him like, I'm just, I'm going to get stuck here. I don't want to be stuck here with you, mm-hmm. like mom. It's almost like no matter how hard he tries to connect with his child, who is like, if he's going to be able to connect with anyone, surely it's his daughter. And he really hasn't done anything wrong. Charlie hasn't done anything wrong. I do also want to talk about Renee, Bella's mom. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't really notice it when I first watched the film or was, like, first aware of the this mm. as, like, a, a, a piece of media. But, like, Renee is not a good mom. Like, Bella is so parentified by the time that she gets to Charlie. Like, Bella, they say in the book, like, Bella was the one that was, like, in charge of bills. Yeah. Uh, her mom is harebrained. Her mom is dating this guy and going off on the road. And, like, Bella, from a very young age, you can tell, has been in charge of herself. She has been fully the one taking care of her mom, taking care of the family, and she's good on her own. And I think when Edward arrives and presents himself as someone who will take care of her. And, like, make every single decision for her. She just wants a parent. He's going to... Buckle her into the car. Yeah. He's literally going to put her in a car seat. And also, like, I do... This is bringing me back to her mom of that... I I remember she doesn't want to leave her mom, but she's doing it because she thinks it'll be like, oh, my mom will be happier if I... She'll feel guilty if I'm being drug around. I don't want to go to Forks, but I'm going to do this so my mom doesn't have to feel bad dragging me around even though I really would prefer being dragged around I would prefer to stay with my mom and Phil she's doing it not even for the best of her mom she just like wants her mom to be happy and so I think that's really important to look at when you're like ew Edward's like like he's He's like so possessive and exactly don't belittle Bella she could do it it's kind of like me traveling I I can handle all the traveling stuff I just don't want to yeah. I would so much rather, like, I have a friend who I kind of, like, play into being, like, a dit sometimes. She would hold on to my tickets for me. She's like, Rebecca, like, hand it over. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you're right. I'm so dumb. It actually makes me feel so good having someone hold the tickets for me. Do you want to say, because I agree and I understand, and I also know famous Famously. Famously. You and I are the eldest daughters. We are big, big sisters of big families. Yeah. And that's really important, I think. And I think we love and feel super privileged to have the roles as big sisters. It's something that brings us a lot of joy. Yeah. However, whether or not we love it, it was not a choice that we were given to and and I think we both just saw the saw the circumstances of the family unit and was like actually like I I dig nurturing and taking care of people younger than me and being responsible being in charge and parents I think when they see that are especially if there's a lot going on parents are like yeah let's encourage that kids are so capable and we really stepped up oh yeah we were a big I've been told um my mom I mean she's also she just like texted me and my other sister Mary today about like how it's 
really great that our little sisters had, like Olivia has told me at one time, one point she was 12 and she was like, mom's my mom, but like, you're kind of my mom, but mom's my mom, you know? And it's like, I'm very respectful of that relationship, but also being a big sister is so important. But I do gravitate towards relationships where I can just be be taken care care of. of. Like, I mean, Maddie, you can voice to this. I have had the exact same meal as Madeline at every single turn. Like I landed, we both had two of the same drinks. I had the exact same sandwich as her. I, I don't even really like pickles, but you know what? I was like, I'm going to eat pickles on this sandwich. Yeah. And I don't care. Because it's just so nice to have someone like, make a choice. Make for you. Exactly. I've enjoyed this so much. And I'm, I'm to some people, they'd be like, Madeline, get out. This is codependency. Do you know how many decisions I make every single every day. day? Every day. Every day. I make I'm so a, many choices. I am single. I have taken care of myself my whole life. I'm like not going to get emotional, but it's like, <laughs> it's like really hard. And I've never been in a long-term relationship where any of the responsibility was shared. And so now is this healthy no, no but, but I do understand because I do, I think there, it hits a point where like, if you continue to, if the person is unaware of your capability, it's a secret, then it, I'm then, so capable, then it becomes unhealthy. And so I think I understand the fantasy of Edward and Bella. Yeah. I understand why she would immediately be like, and, and immediately just be like, take over my life for me, make my choices for me. But I do think you see as the books go on, she does fight for her agency a little bit because there is a point where Edward is like becoming obsessive and controlling and she's pissed off. She's like, I don't need that. Like, I'm a capable adult. I was raising my mom from the age of like... yeah. 10 and I also I know people in those situations like the the people that have really had to step up and parent their parent yeah and I think we can look at Twilight and she makes two big decisions for one she goes to that ballet studio yeah and and that is like pretty much like Edward's like controlling these tiny little things like hey do this hey do this hey do this and she's like okay but then she gets to a point where he's like okay now stay in the hotel and she's like no oh no no and she also she's been parenting it's kind of genius. She's she is her mom's parent. So, so the one thing she is going to say no to with Edward is she's like, "No, I and she's like I'm going to die for the person I love." She she like she she is prepared to die for her mother. Yeah, and like that has honestly been her whole existence. Yeah. Has been dying for her mother and she's going to go do that. And then she's like, I want you to turn me into a vampire. Okay, I all, I, I'm just having this thought right now. We're getting really into This is it. a really good discussion. I think that there is a really interesting psychology between Bella and Charlie. And I, I can see why there would be a lot of resentment from Bella. Mm. Because she's like, you were supposed to be, you were supposed to keep mom around. You were supposed to be good enough. So mm. she would stay with you. So I wouldn't have to. You suck. Yeah. Not, I mean, it. honestly, it's tough. It's tough to critique moms, especially moms that are like, uh, as Renee is presented, like flighty and charming and harebrained and sort of like, oh, magical and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, manic pixie dream girl. Charlie being unable to win mom over enough, mm-hmm. Bella had to step up and be Charlie. Yeah, and I think like it's because Charlie was restrained. Because I don't remember everything, but I'm pretty sure like Charlie loved her. Oh. It's not because he didn't love her. But that's, I mean, you can love someone, but not... Be able to give them what they need. Exactly. And there are multiple reasons you could and, possibly and do I d- that. And I think, like, the real blame is on Renee. Like, the real, we're, we're, we're looking at it, like, Renee is sort of gets pushed out of this situation. Mm. And I think Bella puts a lot of the blame on Charlie because it's easier to do that to someone who's emotionally distant from you, who she's not codependent. Also, I think she's way more sim- similar to Charlie yeah. than her. She's her mom. N- she's nothing like her mom. Nothing like her mom. And 
And then I think, like, Charlie probably was quite a bit more immature when all of the drama went down. And, um, but then it's kind of like, they're almost on the same level of mature, not maturity. Charlie is more mature, but but like he arrived at this kind of, kind of recently. So we think Charlie's a lonely girl. Charlie's a lonely girl. I would say the thing is like with Bella is like, she has the, she could have been a lonely girl, but she is just I don't think Stephanie Meyer knew how to... I think Stephanie Meyer is a lonely girl. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Stephanie Meyer knew how to write a oh. well-rounded character. And I think it's I think it's kind of... And I don't think Stephanie Meyer's... It's kind of like Mary Lennox, it took a while for Frances to evolve and stop writing the fantasy of who she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she writes Mary who is her honest reflection of herself. Yes. She's like, you know what? Like, I'm not super beautiful. Like, I I can get what I want, but, like, I'm kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. I don't think Stephanie Myers, the skill, and I don't think we should fault her for this. No. If she was a better writer, she, I think, could eventually write a true lonely girl. Absolutely. But instead, Stephanie Myers, just like, just like Frances... Hodgins Burnett was writing her fantasies of who she wished she was for a few books and then writes who she truly is. Stephanie Myers is writing the fantasy of who she wishes because she, she was a mom at the time and moms are like so responsible for everything. Yes. Uh, Bella's a mom. Bella's pretty much a mom and then Bella's she a meets a person who thinks she's amazing and then takes care of her. Yeah. And so Stephanie Myers is like, please, for the love of God, someone take care Care of of me me. and okay so we have to get to the person the most cliche the one I feel the most strongly about Edward Edward is a deeply lonely girl Mm -hmm. Edward is I would say maybe like the most archetypically lonely girl Mm -hmm. I do feel like he is I sort of wish he was a little like had a little bit more personality, was like a little bit ear, mm. because I think that would work. I think he's like the 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 fantasy version of a lonely girl. Yeah, especially because he can read minds. Yeah, always with like if someone's like, "What superpower do you wish you could have?" I mm. always am like, "I wish I could read minds." I don't, but I do <laughs> think. Um, <laughs> shut up. No, but I think, but also like, how freaking lonely is that? I know, we know everybody's thoughts right now. Yeah. Everybody's thoughts. And also I think lonely girls are the wallflowers and we're watching everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I do think both of us are like pretty freaking observant of other people. Like little plot, plot spoiler, but like I am getting, I'm like meeting some of Madeline's friends at different points. And I told Madeline, I was like, okay, like how, what should I do not in a manipulative way, but it's kind of like, okay, I know you observed this friend. Yeah. And what, how kind of should I present myself? Yeah. And, and it's not in a mean, sneaky way. But also, like, I could be wrong, but I also think my observations, Madeline had, like, a really cool meeting. Mm-hmm. And I, with someone I've only seen on TV. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm like, I got a read off of her. I was like, I feel like she's going to kind of present like this. She's going to like this. Exactly it, right. And, and I think lonely girls, we just spend most of our lives observing. Observing others. Edward's a, an, an observer. observer. Edward's an observer. and And I think, like, he's able to do it like really effortless. Like Mm. the shorthand for Edward being so observant is because he can read minds. Mm -hmm. But I, I was that way before vampire though. Yeah. And I wish that I, we can talk about this later. If I were to readapt twilight. Yeah. I think I would remove his mind reading mm. because I think he almost is, he's, he's kind of, got it without yeah, exactly. the very and I think Stephanie Myers obviously I think was very hot and bothered by the idea of mind reading even though like he couldn't read Bella if you think about it she sees Edward because she sees you're a vampire there's something different about you there's something this and you, you think about it sure Edward is drawn to Bella but Bella also sees him. Yeah. Even if it's just she sees she wants to have sex with him. Well, also, <laughs> but I, I think, think, you know, like, it, it, 
he feels it's this is the first time he's ever felt connected to and someone. And also, I think the first time, like it's sort of that push and pull, and and in thinking about like if we're looking at va- being a vampire now being a vampire is a different metaphor for edward being a vampire is like a, a really hidden darkness mm. a darkness inside of you that you don't want anybody to see and you try really really hard to make yourself beautiful presentable uh. etc in order to uh, keep that away and what bella does is keep pushing Mm. and he's like stop she like wants it he's like stop 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 and there's something if we're looking at it from edward's perspective from the lens of a lonely girl and edward is a lonely girl there is something so um like seductive about Mm. someone continually pushing in and being like no i want to know what this is about you i want to know your darkness and then when he does tell Bella that he is a vampire he tell he he shows her this deep secret she accepts him for who she is and wants to be a part of it and she's also he's like I'm a monster and she's like no you're beautiful and so it's interesting we're Edwards we're Edwards but we want to be Bella's Mm -hmm. and I think like the things that make us lonely are what make us the reason why vampires and werewolves I would say show up in a lot of like erotic sort of yearning lustful romantic media Mm. is because there is something about a monster like a transformative monster or like the beautiful seductive monster Mm. that has to go away or has to like contain parts of themselves what about the smaller characters i feel like a case can be made for um i don't know maybe like jasper Mm. being a lonely girl Mm. or actually you know a case could be made for like carlisle i love carlisle and not in i mean sure like he's great also i just love that his face is so pale and then there are shots on the back of his neck and it is pink it is a human neck yeah um but i really respect how well he's handled like how old is he the actor? No. Or Carlisle? I feel like, isn't Carlisle like 500 years old? I or remember something like that? talking about like medieval stuff. Yeah. I think he's old. I think he's old. And I, I really respect um, how like he's handled it, how he is helping, he's helping these other people through it. And I think that comes from. A very lonely place. Oh, for sure. Um, but he's dealing he's with it. He's built in a, a really, family. And he's doing it in a really healthy way. Yeah. And also I could see in 500 years, um, Edward. <laughs> yes. Edward doing this for other people. Yes. I, I really, I don't remember anything about Carlisle's backstory, but I feel like he was like a very angry, sad, like he really struggled for a couple hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, don't we all? What about Anna Kendrick's character? I'm not I, even saying she is. I just want to hear your opinion. I just, okay. So like my favorite thing about Anna Kendrick's character is that in the book, Jessica is like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Jessica barely matters. Mm-hmm. She's just there to sort of like get Bella to places that don't involve Edward. She's such a plot device. It's embarrassing almost. But... I love the what Anna Kendrick like brings to this role. She honestly feels like the only person who is actually in the real world and everyone else is in a movie. She's the only like she's only she's the only person who's having reasonable responses to things. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's a lonely girl. Um, but I think you know, I think Jessica is probably She's probably just a little concerned and confused, but ultimately is going to, like, do her own thing. I I like that she is not super likable. Yeah. She's she's annoying. And I, I feel like and she's a little bit too much, and that's... I like that. I think that's Anna Kendrick, though. I think Anna yeah. Kendrick, like, really brings that sort of, like... What I love is that Anna originally auditioned for the role of Bella. Oh, yeah. She has and, Bella hair. And honestly... I would have loved to have seen that. It wouldn't be the same. Like her and Edward, her and Robert Pattinson would have had no chemistry. 
I think, but Ooh. I, but I love the idea of Bella being a little bit more, and maybe this is a good time to lean into the talk film. about. I was about, about to say the film. I was about to say it was your Anna Kendrick is the adaption that Madeline is will make will make. I almost said is making, no. and that would have set everyone a buzz. But no, one of my Anna of Kendrick my, would have been your choice. One of my long form goals, one of my long term goals that I've just decided mm. is I really, really deeply, desperately um, need to remake twilight is it a remake or a reboot well i would say it's a remake because of i would say a reboot um is a a reboot is original ip okay versus twilight was an adaptation so Mm. it would be a remake of the adaptation okay yeah or be a it would be a re-adaptation and this is and i mean this really sincerely Mm. i feel like (laughs) <laughs> I feel like what's missing from the films that and, and and not to say they're not an enjoyable experience because they are. Like Twilight is camp. Oh, I enjoyed the heck out of myself. Like I I'm going to just read the definition of camp. Um really quick, we're going to together. I want What if we were invited to okay. the Met Ball, and then we just dressed as Edward and Bella no, like for that, the camp theme. That would have been, okay, camp is an aesthetic style and sensibility that regards something as appealing because of its bad taste and ironic value. Ugh. Camp aesthetics disrupt many of modernism's notions of what art is and what can be classified as high art by inverting aesthetic attributes such as beauty, value, and taste through an invitation of a different kind of apprehension and consumption. My jaw is on the ground. And I think one of the... uh, So Susan Sontag's essay, Notes on Camp, that's where like this comes from. Mm. But uh, it emphasizes... Its key elements are camp, are artifice, frivolity, naive middle-class pretentiousness and shocking excess Hmm. which i wouldn't say is necessarily twilight but an element of twilight is its earnestness its attempt at earnestness all over i would say clunky and sort of um bombastic and sort of cringy execution I, th- I think maybe a little bit of Like, I don't want to say bad. No, but, okay, I think this is a nice kind of tie-in. Madeline and I both love, like, average middle school performances yes. of a musical. Like, there was a time where I was like, oh, I might go see, like, a frozen junior in a gym. And Maddie was like, if I was in town, we would... 100% go and just sincerely watch these children sing let it go it's pitchy but like nothing is better than people like being so earnest no, there is nothing more <laughs> earnest like you will never see a performance more earnest than a 14 year old getting on stage for perhaps the first time in front of an audience mm. and having to sing their heart out you just won't and it, it there's something that is so bad about it and sweet and sweet that like there's some that it can't be bad no there is something that was really sincere about the first twilight film and the the actors in this film not aware of how huge this franchise would be how Mm -hmm. much this would change their lives how much they would immediately be thrown into the public eye, how much they would immediately grow to resent this thing. Yeah. That in the initial filming, in Catherine Hardwick's seminal work, <laughs> Twilight, there is true, there is true artistry. And um, as a filmmaker... Mm. Filmmaker. As a filmmaker, I really really respect the choices that Catherine Hardwick makes she made exactly what she set out to do yeah and also I think part of it for the cast is it is mockable and 
they possibly were watching it and being like, wait, this is what it looks like when I zoom around. Mm -hmm. So also they had no idea what was going to, they're like, wait, it's going to be this blue, you know? And they just thought they were doing like a, like a movie. Yeah. Like a really sort of gritty indie, because this wasn't a genre. No. This, this film is like, this was, this was a breakout film Mm -hmm. in terms of like, establishing a genre that ruled the 2010s and and I think one thing that makes me really happy is like like um at one point Miley Cyrus was like oh my gosh I hate party in the USA that's the worst song of all time but now she's grown to the point of like it was like the 20 year anniversary of Hannah Montana and she's on a stage and she's like we're gonna sing best of both worlds. we're gonna sing it and she's grateful for it and she'll wear a Hannah Montana t-shirt and it makes me really happy that like the girl that plays Alice was on a podcast recently and she's not really acting anymore, but she now she was talking about the stressors of it, but now she has more perspective and is like, I'm really grateful. It makes people really happy, Mm -hmm. but it's like they had to go through this bitter phase. Now it's like Robert Pattinson can jokey laugh about it, but it's not jokey laughy to try to distance as in, I hate this. Yeah. He's like, oh my gosh, I was such a kid. This is insane. It's so insane. And and I think it is, you know, the older you get and the the more removed you are from like the sort of trappings of your youth, mm. there are things that once absolutely plagued and devastated you and made you want to just literally rip them from your brain and from your personality and then as an adult you're looking back on those things and you go I'm I'm so glad that Mm. was me yeah I love that so much I am so like we really we did that yeah and that's like I would say Twilight as a renaissance, we're talking about the Twilight Renaissance, which yes. I would say perhaps we're currently in, or maybe we have recently come out of. I think it, I think quarantine. Quarantine was definitely the twi- the Twilight Renaissance, but I also think that it will continue to resurface, especially when I do my reboot. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be important. And I, I think for me, what really made, I didn't realize exactly there was a renaissance. I think TikTok, it's very TikTokable. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Olivia Rodrigo had a tiny little vintage Twilight mini purse. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is in the zeitgeist again. And also, what I loved is, like, she earnestly loves Twilight. She wasn't, and I think it used to be we had to mocky like Twilight. Mm-hmm. We had to get into the nitty gritty of why it was an abusive relationship, which also like we're doing we're talk we're talking about Twilight from our lens and perspective of lonely girls. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's like I just love that people are able to earnestly love it. Are we? Do you think we've? I think we did it. I mean. Of course. And this is us tucking our hair behind our lips. And just saying, y'all, we're so thankful for y'all. We, um, you said y'all earlier. I did. It is, Is, it's slipping in. Is it? I keep saying Do you say y'all, did you say y'all before? No. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. It's it's a really good word. I like it. It It makes people think maybe I'm not like, idiot no I think y'all is one of those things where like it's gender neutral it's inclusive it's and it's like it's like comfy so y'all we are going to be wrapping up please if you are not following us at lonely girls podcast why not because I literally had to buy it for $50 off of someone do you know what she told me when we were hanging up I made her laugh a lot and she said, I think this is going to be a really good podcast. I don't know if I oh, told you, you that. you didn't tell me that. I, I love know. that. We spent $50 on this. So you better, y'all better, better make it work our while. It. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Botter. And you can follow me on Instagram at Turner Madeline. Mm-hmm. And also on TikTok, Madeline Turner. And that's it. That's it. That's all we've got for y'all. Please 
rate, review, subscribe. Re- subscribe and yeah. click that click that notification and bell. Give us little kisses and we'll mm-hmm. hug you. Oh, yeah. Um, and don't forget to stay lonely. Stay lonely and send this to the loneliest person you know. Yeah. All right, we love you, we lonely love girls. You. Bye. Mwah, mwah, mwah.